I'm someone who loves trying out different makeup looks, but doesn't really wear much on a daily basis, so I like to focus on making sure I have high quality staples. And whether you like a fresh face, full glam, or somewhere in between, you've probably seen Thrive Cosmetics Viral Tubing Mascara. I've certainly seen it everywhere, you know the one in the turquoise tube? So that mascara, along with all of Thrive Cosmetics beauty products, are certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free, which I look for in makeup, and they've got excellent quality to match. And something I didn't know from all the mascara videos I've seen is that for every product sold, Thrive Cosmetics donates either that same product, another product that is needed more, or a monetary donation. They've worked with over 500 nonprofits to help with a wide range of causes like supporting cancer survivors, people experiencing homelessness, education access, and so much more. Knowing that makes me feel even better about using their products. And I do enjoy using them. Like I said, I like having high quality staples, and so my favorites are products that are multi-purpose, like the Brilliant Eye Brightener. It comes in a bunch of colors, and I like using them as eyeliner, eyeshadow, and even highlighter. Thrive Cosmetics is luxury beauty that gives back. Right now, you can get an exclusive 20% off your first order at thrivecosmetics.com thrive. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E-M-E-T-I-C-S, dot com slash thrive for 20% off your first order. Hey there. Ever wonder what happens to all those amazing screenplays that never make it to the big screen? Well, wonder no more. Welcome to Table Read Podcast, where we bring those undiscovered gems to life. Picture this. Talented actors giving incredible performances with the occasional laugh or blooper thrown in, produced by award-winning pros. From drama to comedy, TV pilots to feature films, there's something for everyone. And guess what? We release new episodes every week, so don't forget to hit that subscribe button. Table Read Podcast, where great stories finally get their chance to shine. Welcome back to another episode of Thanks for Coming In. I'm your host, Jillian Clare. If this is your first time tuning in, welcome. This is the show where I talk to fellow actors about their journeys and some fun audition stories. If you haven't already, make sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to it right now and leave us some love. Today on the show, we have Archer actress Amber Nash. Yes, that's right, Archer. You know her as Pam Poovey on the fantastic FX animated series that I love oh so, so much. And it was a pleasure to talk to Amber and hear her story. And we talk about a really cool film that she's about to start filming. So here's my conversation with Miss Amber Nash. Welcome to the show, Miss Amber Nash. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so stoked to have you on here. I mean... Anybody who watches Archer knows how absolutely fantastic and talented you are, and it's such a cool show, and I'm so honored to have you have you on this show right now. Thanks so much. Yeah, Archer's been such a fun, like, I still can't believe it's real, and we've done it for like 10, 12 years now, and I'm, I still am like, wow, it, it's, it's been a dream. It's such a funny show. I, I can remember the first time watching it and thinking, this is bizarre and brilliant and I love it 
<laughs> yeah, I can't believe. Like when I watched, when I read the pilot episode, I was like, they're not going to let us do this on TV. And then every episode <laughs> after that, I'm like, they're not going to let us do this on TV. But hey, it's still happening. So yeah, 12 seasons. I mean, that's got to be like some sort of a record. It's getting close. We actually, uh, we, we were at a party at Comic-Con and we met uh, the creator of The Simpsons and he's like, so where, what are you guys at? And this this was like, we were at like season seven and he's like, get back to me when you get to 27. And we're like, we hope we get to 27. <laughs> yes, to be in competition with The Simpsons, that would be, uh, that would be pretty phenomenal. Pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> but you, you've had such a illustrious career so far, and um, I'd love for you to tell us a little bit about how you started. How did you get into acting in the first place? Was it something that you knew you wanted to do as a kid, or did you discover it? You know, I was, I always was kind of a ham. <laughs> I was always like clowning around on the like on the playground and like trying to get kids to laugh because I was kind of a nerdy kid, and I was like. I, I had people laughing a couple times and I was like, oh, this is how I can make friends. Like I might not be the most popular kid, but if I can get kids to laugh. So that was really kind of how I first discovered my audience. Mm. Um, but then growing up, I was like, being an actor wasn't something that was like accessible to me. I was like, that's not something you grow up to do. Like you got to go be a lawyer or a doctor or, you know, whatever. But like actor was not on the list. And I, my parents were definitely not like, go into the arts. <laughs> so that wasn't something that I was planning on doing. But in high school, I joined like the drama club and started doing improv through that and kind of fell in love with it. And then was like, no, no, I'm going to go to school and I'm going to get a degree in psychology. And so I did that. And then I got out of school and I got a job doing social work. Wow. And was wow. like, what am I doing? This is like, I mean, it's great. Like I had, a, I had an incredible job and I met some really great people, but I was like, this isn't what I'm supposed to be doing. And I was doing improv at a theater on the weekends. And I was like, mm. what if I quit my job and did improv full time? No way. And so my parents, my parents were like, what? what, you have a real job. What are you doing? And so I quit my job and I did improv full time, which nobody does because you can't make money doing improv. Uh-uh. <laughs> yeah. And so I taught and I did gigs and, um, I was lucky enough to just kind of keep working. And that's actually how I met the guys that make Archer is through doing improv at the theater in Atlanta that I still do shows at. No way. Wow. So that <laughs> totally just came full circle for you. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, because at the time they were making shows for Adult Swim, which is in Atlanta. And so they were just like a scrappy, there was only like there was under 10 of them. There was like six or seven guys in a house in East Atlanta making <laughs> cartoons. And we were like a scrappy little comedy theater. And so we knew uh, one of our guys at the comedy theater worked for them as an animator. So we had this crossover. So they'd come see shows and we knew about them. And so they'd be like, hey, we need somebody to come do a teenager's voice. Like, can you be here in 10 minutes? And so I would drive over to their crappy house and, and they'd lock me in a closet. And so they knew that they could call me and I'd do voice work for them. And so, and that happened with a lot of people at our theater. And so that's how the whole relationship started. Wow. Is that, is that Frisky Dingo that you're talking about? Yeah. So Frisky okay. Dingo was the first show I did for them. And then before that they were doing um, C-Lab and I didn't, I think I maybe auditioned to do like a little bit part on that, but I, I didn't never do it, but I did Frisky Dingo. That's amazing. And then when did you decide like voiceover was really going to be like your focus or did you decide it? Was it something that just kind of like landed on you? 
yeah, it wasn't something I decided at all because at the time I was like, voiceover means like announcers, right? And and also this was before, like even for commercial work, this was before the kind of like everyman voice became the norm. It was still a lot more like people did announcer voices. Mm -hmm. So you were either the person that did character voices or you were the person that did announcer voices. And so mm -hmm. I was like, it didn't seem like a career path that I could like break into. Or I didn't really have any plans to do that. Um, but I'd done a couple commercial like for radio because it paid like 150 bucks <laughs> um so I was kind of putting a reel together but that's really all I'd done until I started working for these guys and so it really wasn't my plan and then after I got Archer I was like oh well now the the phone's just gonna be ringing off the hook and I'm gonna be doing all this voice work and that didn't happen either so what? it's like it's I still can't break into the voice world and I've been doing a show for 12 years it's like so hard to get regular voice work. Yeah. yeah. It's an incredibly competitive like industry. It's really an industry of its own. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's such, it's so hard to get into it because it's really different people too. Like it's not the same people that you would meet on the set of a TV series, a live action TV series or a live action film. It's completely yeah. different people, completely different casting directors. I mean, it's, it's yeah. own world. Yeah. And then also there's all the people that are like incredible voice actors where it's like, this guy has done the 200 voices that you remember from your childhood. And then there's, if you're not that guy, then you have to be like Channing Tatum and have to have like a huge name and then you can do voice work. So it's really a crazy industry. Super, super crazy. So, okay. You're in Atlanta. Let's go back to, to the story here. So you're in Atlanta, you're doing Frisky Dingo. And then when did you kind of like make the move? Did, are you in LA or are you still in Atlanta? I'm still in Atlanta. No way. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Like it was always the plan. I was always like, well, if I'm going to be an actor, I've got to move to LA or New York or I got to right. get out of Atlanta. And then the industry kind of exploded here. I mean, it's huge then, there. It's crazy, but they're still hiring actors from LA because they can't imagine that actors that are good could possibly live in Atlanta. So that's changing, but it's taking a really long time. Mm. But I was like, I'm still working here. So why would I leave to go to another place where I might not be working? So I just never left. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't leave either if that's where like my home base was and I got a job that was multiple seasons long and I totally. knew I was chill for a bit. Like I'd stay too. Yeah. And it's a lot cheaper. I mean, it's so much cheaper to live here. Like I wouldn't have been able to buy a house in LA, but no. like I was able to buy a house in Atlanta. Like, so it was, it really was like the timing was so perfect. I got really lucky. That's so cool. Are, do you ever have plans of coming out to LA or do you want to do like extended periods out here and then go back? Yeah. And I have over the, over the years, like come out for like months at a time, but I, you know, it's not like I had to do it, but I was kind of trying to make more connections. It would be my dream, like to actually book a show and live in LA for a time, like while I was shooting, but then be able to come home mm. to Atlanta where my house is and my dog, you know, and do that. <laughs> so I think, and I think it's becoming more that way, especially it was happening before the pandemic, but now after the pandemic, it's like people can really live anywhere. I mean, mm -hmm. most of our auditions are self-tape anyway. And so if I need to, I can jump on a plane and get out there for a callback. But like the likelihood of that happening, it's not like it happens every week. Mm -mm. So it's like, it, it's kind of, it's kind of really uh, like people are able to still do it and live in a city they can afford to live in and be an actor. And yeah, I mean, I think it's really smart too, especially like for, for people, young actors that are just 
getting, you know, their roots going and trying to figure out what they want to do. I think it's the move now because the industry has kind of changed. Like you can really be anywhere and film anywhere and make things with your friends anywhere. Totally, totally. And that's the other thing that we found too is in Atlanta, because there's so many big movies and big shows shooting here, there's tons of crew and tons mm. of talent on that side of things and people that are looking for cool projects. And we're like, hey, we've got this dumb like comedy project. We don't have a ton of money. Do you guys want to help us work on this? So like there's just so much talent on the other side of the camera that you can really make great stuff in Atlanta and not and do it for so much cheaper. And it's just like accessible. You can make anything happen here. That's so cool. So are you making your own stuff out in Atlanta, too? Yeah. So I, I came from theater. Obviously, I still do theater. Um, and this we just started a Kickstarter campaign two months ago. I don't even know how long ago it was, <laughs> but we're making a feature. And so Yay. it's like. You know, people from the theater world, Colin Mockery is going to be in it and he plays my dad and we met him doing improv. And so it's definitely like through being in Atlanta, having all access to all that talent and then also meeting people through doing theater, like mm -hmm. we're totally able to make our own movie. And I bet in L.A. it'd be a lot harder for us to do that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've produced a couple films and it's definitely the restrictions out here are definitely harder. And it's also, you want to be able to pay people living wages, yeah. especially if you're making a feature, it's going to take a few weeks at least. And mm -hmm. the living wage out in LA is so incredibly high that like, you feel bad if you don't pay anything but like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Um. So you're making stuff out in Atlanta now. Are you still doing improv too? Yeah, like, so obviously our theater was shut down because of the pandemic, but right. we were trying to do stuff online and it was like, this is not the same. We did, <laughs> we did the best we could, but it was just not the same. Classes were okay online, but doing shows was just like, I was like, I am too old for this. Um, but our theater is opening back up soon. And we started doing shows in our parking lot, like drive-in style. So that's actually been really fun because there's actual people there and you can hear them laughing. So it's slowly opening back up. But yeah, I mean, ever since I started doing Archer, for the last, you know, 12 years, I, I still do shows on the weekend. Whenever I'm in town, I'll go do a show at the theater because it's like, it's my first love. I really, really love being on stage. Yeah, it's just, it's just a different, it's a different feeling. It's a different vibe. You get to like communicate with the audience more. You get to see their reactions firsthand. The totally. energy is so much, so it's like, it's frantic, but fun and interesting. Yep. And you learn a lot. Like you're yeah. like, oh, okay, that doesn't work. <laughs> or, that doesn't, or that does work. Yeah. It's really, you, you get instant feedback. So it's like, especially when you're coming up as a young performer, yeah. because you don't get that when you're doing stuff on camera. So being able to have that instant feedback and knowing what's landing with the audience is, is just invaluable. Especially now with doing most of our, our auditions on self tapes, there is no feedback there's yeah. no time for the casting director to say, can you film it again and do it this way? That rarely, rarely happens. Yeah. So having those live shows really does, it, it improves your game. Yeah. Yep. Big time. So tell me about the, the film that you guys started the Kickstarter for, because I'd love to know more about this. Yes. Okay. So um, my husband wrote it and his comedy partner, they, they're from Canada and they grew up together doing comedy and he went to NYU film school. So he's a director. He's going to direct it for us. We've made some other projects. We did um, a short film. We did a web series. So my husband wrote the script and it's a holiday movie about a struggling comedian that I play that goes home for the holidays 
and her family is just kind of a mess. Her dad's like kind of gone off the deep end and is like a like a doomsday prepper. Oh no! And she's got an adult brother with special needs that's trying to like hold the family together, and a sister that she's kind of competitive with. And so she goes home, and like always, it's just like a total shit show. And she's like, "What is going on here?" Um, so yeah, and Colin Mockery plays my dad, and this wonderful actor with special needs plays my brother mm-hmm. and we actually met him doing our short film called that was awesome. And it was a, it was a movie about a group of um, adults with special needs that are a floor hockey team. Oh, wow. And we met Luke and we were like, this guy is amazing. Like he's an incredible actor and we became really good friends with him. So Kevin was like, I want to write something for Luke and I want to, I want to make a feature. And so that's kind of how it all started. And so we started the Kickstarter I think we launched it in the middle of middle of April and we hit our goal like within two weeks, which was crazy because we had a really big goal. We had a hundred thousand dollar goal and on Kickstarter, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, so we hit our goal and then we were able to go a little bit over our goal, which was super awesome and we didn't expect it. So it's still so low budget. People are like, wow, you have so much money. And it's like, that is nothing to make a movie with. (laughs) Um, so our budget is going to be around $200,000, which is very low budget. Mm -hmm. Um, but we're calling in a lot of favors and Colin's going to do it for free. And, um, it's just going to hopefully be a super fun holiday movie. I love that. And you know, those are the projects that like stick with you. Those are the ones that you love until the end of time. You're never going to look back on those projects and be like, man, I can't believe I wasted my time on that because you're really putting your heart and your soul and yeah, and working with friends is just a new level of awesome. Like, yeah. obviously, you make friends on set that on sets that you're, you know, new to, and and you go into it with a good attitude, and you say, "Oh, great, I'm going to be friends with everybody." But to make something with people that you already love is just, mm-hmm. and it adds so much heart to the film. Like, you can really see it. Yeah. And there's so much comfort and you're like, cause it's like a group of family and mm-hmm. you're so tired and you're wearing a bunch of different hats. And at the end of a, you know, 16 hour day, you like go home and melt into the bed to like get up in just a few hours and go back to set. But it's like so worth it. It's just, you're so right about that. Like, it's just, that's what it's all about. So it's like, I hope to get a job where they pay me a bunch of money. So yes. then I can go do my little bitty project with no money where I work a lot harder. Exactly. That's always the goal. Totally. <laughs> I love that. So on this show, we like to share audition stories of things that have gone awry, uh, sad things, happy things, basically everything in between. Is there an audition you would like to share with the audience? <laughs> I have so many great and terrible audition stories. And I'll just preface this by saying I'm a terrible auditioner. Like I, and again, people know me mainly for doing voice work and for doing stage work, but they don't know me for doing on-camera work. And it's because I'm terrible at auditions. (laughs) So I never get any on-camera work. Oh my God. So um, this story is actually a really fun one. So Melissa McBride, who plays Carol on The Walking Dead, Mm -hmm. She was, before she got that role, a casting director in Atlanta. What? And Melissa is like, if you can just bring her to mind, like, she's very kind of like stoic. And she, before she got the role, and she even, when she had the role for a long time, kept her hair like really short, like Mm -hmm. she had just shaved her head. But she was like always wearing like these like flowy scarves and just very like 
not messing around. You know, like when you go into the room with her, there's not a bunch of horsing around. She's like very serious. So I always found her like quite intimidating. And I'm already intimidated by auditions because I'm terrible at them. So I'm always just like super nervous and like being a weirdo. So I don't even remember what this audition was for. Like it was, it must've been like maybe it was a commercial audition, but they were looking for improv. So it wasn't like, I didn't have to memorize lines. They were like, we want you to come in and we want you to do three improvised monologues as three different characters. And I'm like, that's my dream. That's all I want to do. I don't want to memorize lines. I don't want to have to be like a spokesmodel. I just want to go play a weird character in an audition. <laughs> so I was very excited about it. And I thought about like kind of what, you know, I didn't want to plan too much because I wanted to improvise, but I thought about like what three characters I wanted to do and kind of maybe what those characters might want to talk about. Cause it's not like I was going to ask Melissa McBride for a suggestion. <laughs> so I get in the room and I'd made the audition for her like a handful of times and I'm sure they all went terrible. <laughs> so I'm in the room and she's like, okay, just whenever you're ready, start just doing these three monologues and you can just move from one to the next and you can go back to one if you want and just go between the characters. And I was like, I am so up for this. It's what I was born to do. So I started auditioning and I was playing like crazy characters, like not characters that I would ever be cast for. Like I was playing like an old prospector <laughs> and like, you know, a scary old lady. And then like maybe a British man, I don't know, like three <laughs> characters that I would never be cast for. So I started and I was like really into it and like playing the room and kind of doing what I would do on stage. And they were all like comedic, like over the top, ridiculous characters. And I look over and Melissa is crying. And I'm like, oh no, what have I done? Oh my God. And I was like, I kind of stopped for a minute. She's like, no, 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 you're fine. I just am so overwhelmed by the amount of talent that exists in this city. And I was like, oh, oh that's God. not what I was expecting you to say. <laughs> and so she must have seen some other people do some stupid characters that she also really loved. And so she was just really like, honestly taken by this stupid audition I was doing. And I was like, I was like, really like what? That's the nicest thing that's ever happened to me in an audition. So, and this was many years ago. I mean, this was way before The Walking Dead started. So this must've been like 2007, 2008. And so I'd always kind of remembered it because it was such a weird situation. And then, you know, she got on Walking Dead and I was like, oh my God. And I loved the show and it was shot in Atlanta and her character was so good. So I totally watched the show and followed her career. And then like, this was probably like 2016, 2017. I was at Comic-Con and uh, I was waiting to go on stage for the Archer panel and the Walking Dead panel had already happened and they were kind of sitting in the same green room and I knew somebody else in the cast so because we all you know we're all shooting in Atlanta so we all kind of know each other but I didn't know if Melissa remembered me I assume she didn't I was just some actor that auditioned for her a few times and um the person I was with was like oh Melissa do you remember Amber and she's like oh my god Amber do you remember the time you made me cry in that audition and I was like, <laughs> that you remember that so I was very like flattered by the fact that she even knew who I was and remembered that that had happened. She's a fantastic woman, obviously like a really great actor. Um, but yeah, it was just such a crazy story. And I just still love her to this day because of that. That's an incredible story. I don't think I've ever heard an audition story where a casting director is so moved by someone's performance <laughs> that they're yeah. crying. I mean, yeah. 
And then for it to be Melissa, too, is just so bonkers. That story has just took me on a wild ride there. Wow. (laughs) That's a good one. Yeah, it's a fun Um, one. That's amazing. And then to be like at Comic-Con with her and you both are doing panels several years later for your own shows. I mean, that's so cool. It was so great. And that's like, that's every one of my other audition stories is terrible and about how terrible I am. So that was my like one bright spot. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Well, thank you so much for sharing that because that was that's a great one right there. Um, Where can people follow you on social media to keep up with the movie and everything that you're doing? Yes, yeah, so you can follow me at Amber C. Nash on Twitter and on Instagram. And then How to Ruin the Holidays is the name of the movie. And we have at How to Ruin the Holidays on Twitter. And I think on Instagram, it's just uh, Ruin the Holidays, at Ruin the Holidays. But if you follow me, my stuff links to all that stuff so you can keep up with what's going on. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. It was so nice to talk to you. And I can't wait to see the movie and see all the behind the scenes stuff. And I hope you kick ass, and I hope it goes great. (laughs) Yay! Thank you so much. I had a great time. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks again to Amber Nash for coming on the show and spending some time with me. And hey, if you want to see some exclusive video clips from this episode, make sure to head over to our Instagram. Those links are in the show notes. And as always, it has been a pleasure, and I am so honored that you share this time with us each week. And, uh... Thanks for coming in. Hello, friends. This is Mark Nell, executive producer of the Table Read podcast, where imagination meets performance. As we wrap up an incredible season one, we want to take a moment to express our heartfelt gratitude to each and every one of you who tuned in and supported us on this amazing journey. Season one was nothing short of extraordinary. We delved into captivating scripts that transported us to worlds beyond our imagination, thanks to the brilliant writers who delivered these works. But what really brought these stories to life were the talents of our amazing actors. But Wait, the excitement doesn't end there. As we bid farewell to Season 1, we are thrilled to announce the launch of Season 2. Get ready for more gripping narratives, more unforgettable characters, and more mesmerizing performances that will keep you on the edge of your seat. We have some big surprises coming. The Force will definitely be with you. So stay tuned, stay engaged, and most importantly, stay excited. From all of us at the Table Read Podcast, thank you. And let's make Season 2 even more memorable together.